Welcome to The Recap, the part of the podcast where we recap the previous week's sermon. If you're interested in learning more about our church, go to southcities.church. Hey, Dave. Hey. How you doing? I'm great. Good. I'm really enjoying the extra light out. It was daylight savings. We've, we've moved from standard time now to daylight savings time. I what? like it. I don't know. That might be a controversial take, but I like it. <laughs> well, it's not a controversial take, but I, uh, I really like it too. On the other side of it, both Kelly and I had the experience this time mm-hmm. that we were like exhausted for some reason. Granted, I got up really early sermon prep stuff, yeah. kind of final sermon preparation. And then we had small group right after and we had, we had something right. So we just kind of yep. kept going. So maybe that was it. Well, yeah, but it was like, 6:45 at our house and I was like I I was lucid enough to know that I was not functioning at a high level. <laughs> and I was like I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. <laughs> so, but I'm glad now. I like the extra light. Well, and as yeah. I mean, I like it, but I also don't have kids. So, my opinion might not matter as much as it doesn't really matter. It's fine. <clears throat> yeah. Not anyway. your opinion. Daylight savings with kids, it's fine. It yeah. Is what it is. Oh boy. All right, there's a take. <clears throat> Just trying to get all some phrases in. It's fine. Yep. It is what it is. Yeah. It's perfect. All right. So this last <laughs> this last week uh, was Genesis 30, which if Genesis 29 was a awkward, difficult text, then so was Genesis 30. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want to rank them, <laughs> but it's just all real ugly, sinful life. Right. Yeah. So you started, so we did something a little different this week where we kind of divided the sermon and the service to some extent into two parts. So the first part, we just kind of focused on the sin and the ugliness of the situation and the brokenness of it all. Um, So you just kind of, I think your two points in that part were sin is working and then just lament, Mm -hmm. lament the sin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's okay to lament. Sometimes it's we right. don't, it's right we don't to do lament. that yeah. Yeah. very often and we should. Yep. Um, so we did that and then we did communion. And then the second part we just focused on, but God is working and you kind of showed how it's all pointing to Jesus. Yep. Um, and then we just celebrated. So you want to unpack those a, l- a little further? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what I, what I talked about at the beginning is the sin in Genesis 30 is really a, a continuation of the sinful web that's been woven together by really Laban and Jacob in different ways in mm-hmm. Genesis 29. And just try, I, I think what I was trying to do is paint a picture of just how sin leads to more sin, leads to more sin, leads to more sin, and how ugly and dark it can get really quick. Mm-hmm. You know, the way it, uh, you know, so, so in this, in this chapter, you know, Rachel is envious of Leah's children. Um, Jacob has an outburst of anger towards her. So sin's just everywhere right away in the first two verses. Uh, Jacob is all self-righteous, like, who am I? You know, you should be trusting God, not me. Coming from someone who has always taken things into his own hands and never trusted God. Right. <laughs> so it's a pretty ironic response from him. And then they just, they just you. I mean, really use these servants for their own means. So mm-hmm. we talked about that. They just, so so Rachel and Leah have been, I believe the way to read it is they've been used and they've been taken advantage of really with no, really no ability to control that themselves um, in the last chapter. And now sadly they're using 
and they're uh, furthering on the sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by versus, and so that happens with some servants. Several children are born through Rachel's servants. Several children are born through Leah's servants. Then you get to verses fourteen to eighteen, and Reuben's out in the fields, and he's collects some mandrakes, where which was like the, um, you know, their uh, ancient day magic fertility drug. Mm-hmm, right. I said it's like the commercials you'd see, you know, <laughs> right, late at yeah. night mm-hmm. between your uh, sitcoms. You know, this this will this is the trick that will solve all the problems. And so Rachel wants that because she wants to have children of her own. And so she literally sells Jacob to her sister for the night. Um, from that uh, experience on, Leah has two more children. One of them she literally names hire or for wages. Um, so I just made the point now everything has become transactional. <laughs> it's yeah. this, this family is this one business transaction and and just point it out the way that that's what sin does. And it makes us objectify new servants. It makes intimacy transactional and uh, dehumanizes and distances and creates dysfunction and deceit and all this stuff. It just creates this web. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that goes on. And then we get the story um, about the sheep and how Laban and Jacob strike this deal. Jacob wants to leave. Laban's greedy, manipulative, and says, hey, I'll pay whatever you want. We all know Laban's going to try to do whatever he can to, to take advantage of the situation. So Jacob wants to make it really clear that there's no trickery on his end. And so he says, hey, I'll just take all the miscolored goats and sheep, which would have been a very small percentage of them um, and would have been way less than he could have asked for as someone shepherding the flock. And Laban says, sure, that's great. Um, and then he takes all the colored sheep away <laughs> three days from Jacob. So Jacob is basically starting from nothing. And he uh, does this thing where he peels uh, strips off of sticks to make them striped and spotted and stuff because there was a superstition, kind of like the mandrakes, where it's the superstition, the superstitious fertility drug. Right. So It's really um, weird to read that part. Yeah. strange. So these poplar sticks were kind of, the idea was, well, whatever they see while they're breeding is what they'll produce Mm -hmm. while they're breeding. Um, And so he does that. You're good. <laughs> he does that when uh, when the stronger are breeding, and then he moves them when the weaker are breeding, so that he ends up with all these stronger in the flock, and Laban's are weaker. And so the whole thing is just like, I mean, I mean, even talking about it kind of makes you feel gross. You yeah. know, it's it's using people, it's envy, it's jealousy, it's frustration, it's anger, it's manipulation, it's greed, it's materialism, it's individualism like on steroids to a point of just I'll run over whoever I have to to get what I want and it's all sin right it's just in this everything everything in this family has become a transaction no one's a human anymore no one has any value it's uh it's just a big business game um including marriages including father-in-laws including children who are getting called I mean I said you know imagine that Thanksgiving dinner where the the kids' very names are meant to make your sister feel awful about herself. Um, so it's just ugly. But then, um, the the then I said, but but so some we did communion and we like we lamented sin. We lim- and we limited our own part in it because yep. we've, we've all still got sin and we look around at the world and the world is full of craziness and sin. Um, but then we said, well, let's look at how God's working. Um, and the the things, the three things I pointed out were one that. Every single person in this story is named. Um, and that was something I just saw Saturday night when I was like doing final prayer preparation. 
But like God, I think because they're made in his image and because they're worthy of dignity and respect and value, he names every single one, right? He names, he says Bilha and Zilpah. And he tells you all, he, t- he names Dinah, who mm-hmm. is almost like out of sight, out of mind in the way the story reads about it. But he names them all. And I think it's because God is for his image bearers. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, they're worthy of dignity and respect and honor, even when they're being tossed around. And so I just made the point that, man, if <laughs> for uh, refugees and immigrants who are forgotten, for people in abusive marriages that are forgotten, for... Uh, those in the womb that are forgotten for, you know, for whatever reason, those who are outcasts and, out, and are used and abused and feel discarded, man, like God sees you and he knows your name um, and you're worthy of dignity and respect. And that's, that's like, that's amazing to me that God is like that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, that's, so I was really moved by that Saturday night. And then just to see that God is keeping his promise to Jacob, mm-hmm. like he's grown his family, right? It's uh, not the way that, uh, he should have done it or mm-hmm. was good or right, but God is growing his family and he's going to make him great and he's going to bless him and he's going to give him these huge herds and sheep and goats and camels and servants and a couple of wives and a bunch of kids. And, and so he, he's blessing him, like you said. And what's so clear in the story is that like Rachel and her superstition with mandrakes, uh, we find out it wasn't, it wasn't the mandrakes. God remembered her right. and was merciful to her despite all her garbage. I mean, she, like Rachel's got a lot of garbage by this point as well, using servants and mm-hmm. manipulating and and God sees her and remembers her and in his mercy, he blesses her with Joseph, who is the one who's gonna rescue the people of God, mm-hmm. which is amazing, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it reminds me of Judah coming from Leah, um, that God's gonna work through this broken situation and save his people. And then the same thing with the sheep, we find out that the reason Jacob made this deal is God literally told him in a dream, this is what I'm going to do. And then he does it. And so um, Jacob right. in his old self is like, I'm going to help you out a little bit. I know some tricks. <laughs> and But God God just does it. God just blesses him. And so um, just, to, just to see again um, that, and, and then the point I made is that, you know, whether it's Jacob or um, Joseph or, Moses or Daniel or Jesus or us, uh, God's people who are in exile, far away from home, who are sometimes suffering from their own sin and, and the other sin against them, except for Jesus who never sinned. God's commitment is that because of his promises, because of the blood of Jesus, he gets his people all the way home. Right. Um, so that was it. So, and then we sang about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was probably my favorite part where you kind of did the biblical theology and you talked about God's people in exile, far from home. And then you said, and so was Jesus, Mm -hmm. which just again points to, you know, how we view the biblical storyline that Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel. You know, Mm -hmm. he's the, he's the people of God and he's the perfect one. Yeah. Jacob becomes Israel too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so all of this is just pointing to, to Christ and God's promises, and now us through our union. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love that part. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> through our union with Christ, then yeah. all of those blessings and promises are kept for us. Yeah, is that where I? I think even I think I talked about union too, you did. and that's where I got yeah. really excited. Yep, off the cuff. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, if we 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 kind of switched it up and did that kind of in two parts. Do you think that was effective? How are you thinking through? Like, why did we do that? You know, like we could have just done it in one big sermon, but we decided to split it up into two. What was the thought there? Well, the thought was to maybe free us to rejoice mm-hmm. after we've we're freed to lament. Yeah. So for me, it felt both like the the chapter lent itself that way. Mm-hmm. Like, man, there's a lot of bad here. I mean, here's these rays of hope. Yeah. And so we could, you know, kind of pick them up as they come or we could really show the bad and then pull out the hope separately. And it just felt like it lent itself that way really well. Like the author wants you to feel both intensely. Um, And so, and I, and honestly, for me, it also felt like a moment and I've kind of been looking for one a little bit where I could be like, hey, we're Christians. Let's learn to lament. Yeah. I just feel like the world is so full of outrage and cynicism yeah. and uh, just just all this like stuff because people don't know what to do with the stuff they're feeling. So I just wanted to say, hey, <laughs> it's right to lament sin. Mm-hmm. It's right to grieve over sin. Your own sin and the sin that's been done to you and the sin out in the culture, it's right to call it sin. It's right to grieve over it. Mm-hmm. It's not right to give into outrage and cynicism and all that ugly stuff because we have Jesus for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's still real. Um, and I think it's helpful to look at a story in Genesis 30 because I think a lot of people I talk to are like, man, it's worse than it's ever been. Um, you mean today? Uh, yeah, today yeah. it's worse than it's ever been. And I'm just like, man, you know, read Genesis, uh, read about read about Babylon, uh, read about the Roman Empire, uh, read about right, the Holocaust, right? Like there's just a lot of stuff where like it's been pretty dark Read about the dark ages. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's just a lot of times in, in history where it's been really dark and sin is really rampant and it's really ugly and, we're, and, and God works. You know, God yeah. works for his purposes, for his people to get us all the way home. And so wanting to just uh, not solve that by trying to say, well, it's not that bad, guys. Right. But to say, it is that bad. <laughs> we should grieve. It's always been that bad. We should grieve and this is all leading to Jesus mm-hmm. who is going to is going to come and change things now in us and through us where we are the light's going to shine into the darkness and one day it will only be light yep. it'll make all things new and so we don't give into outrage and cynicism yeah i thought that was really particularly powerful cuz a lot of times we might think of like if you contrast lament with something you like lament or uh, rejoice and celebrate mm-hmm. and those are like the two things but instead you we got to celebration, but uh-huh. at first you contrasted lament with outrage and cynicism. Yeah. And yeah. I thought that was really powerful because you're like, oh yeah, like if, if you're feeling these things and you don't feel like you can celebrate, well, what do you do? Right, right, right. right outrage exactly. and cynicism. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so no, like lament, that's, a, that's an appropriate Christian response that we've just kind of lost touch with. I think so. I think so. I think it's a secret weapon that the Bible equips Christians to have. That's yeah, so good. And I think if we could lean into that a little bit more, we would be uh, salt and light in a lot more significant ways than we are. It's great. All right. Well, I've got nothing else. Thanks, man. It was great. Good.